Lovecast with Dave Arama. The Lovecast. The Lovecast. The Lovecast. The Lovecast with Dave Arama. Greetings, Earthlings and music lovers. Welcome to another edition of The Lovecast. My name is Dave Rama, your host, producer, and musical selector on this weekly Lovecast Sonic Exploration Series, and I would like to first thank everyone who has supported CIUT-FM and Canadian Community Radio during our fall fun drive. Also, thanks to Dina, our hard-working accountant, for getting me the list of Lovecast supporters. If you are a fan of the show and your name is still not on my list, you can still donate and support the station and the show with a donation at www.ciut.fm. This week on the program, the musical selection is all Canadian. And in addition to that agenda, we also have a special guest on the show this week, our old friend, award-winning British Columbia-based musician, DJ, composer, and eco-warrior, Mr. Adam Shake. I ran into Adam this past Labor Day weekend at the Quadra Island Arts and Music Festival, also known by locals as... Quadrapalooza out here on the west coast of Canada. Adam and I sat down at my campsite behind the main stage and we had ourselves an interesting conversation about music and environmental consciousness. You can hear that interview today in hour two of the program, but before I launch into hour one, I want to personally thank all the wonderful folk who sent us some love in the form of a donation. These are the people who supported Canadian Community Radio financially through the Lovecast. I apologize in advance if I mispronounce any names as I have no real verbal reference to them. The Lovecast donors for fall 2023 are Michael Hills, Jesse King, Michelle Bakik, Catherine Huizenga, Mike Wirth, Lori Whittemore, David Hubbend, Gordon Kruger, Francis Da Silva, Daniel Sower, Manny Fisher, Kyle Crockard, Brian Robertson, Bryce Baker, Lydia Washchuk, Guy Perry, Dana Fountain, Rich Donaldson, Glenn Cram, Piotr Erdman, Edwin Galatis, and Sheila Armstrong. The Lovecast sends you all big love and gratitude for taking the time to support my work and public access media in Canada. Today's show is dedicated to you. And to get things on the road, I've got some surf noir on the decks and we're going to rev things up with the 427 straight out of Calgary, Alberta on another all-Canadian maple syrup mix from The Lovecast.
Mark Kesper from NQR Buckle here. You're listening to the Lovecast with Dave Orama.
specially designed to teach any healthy, normal parakeet to talk by using a scientific new method. A carefully trained voice repeats over and over the same words, the same phrase, in a manner that most parakeets are most likely to imitate. Good morning. I feel the weight 
This is Brendan Gray from the most underrated, understated, super duty tough work, and you're listening to The Love Cast with Dave Arama. Straight out of Hamilton, Ontario, some funky breaks from Afternoons in Stereo and the composition Metrosexual. We also heard some funky instrumental vibes from the debut album by Vancouver Island-based trio Space Junk Removal Service. The new release is called Critically Reclaimed, and it's available for you to stream and download on Bandcamp. From Space Junk Removal Service, you heard an Afrofusion track from them called A Freak. 
BC producer and DJ Sticky Buds in the set collaborating with New Zealand producer K-Lab on a heavy piece of ghetto funk called Feel the Weight. And if you're looking for Sticky Buds, I believe he moved down to Paraguay where the weather is nice and warm. Something odd in a New Orleans styley from Toronto band Davis Hall and the Green Lanterns mixing up a bunch of musical styles in one tasty ital package on the song Carrot Town. More intriguing instrumental music from another Toronto band called El Bloto Twangaros and something for the sun gazers listening into the show today. We also heard from a cool band that I met and saw perform last month at the Woodstove Festival on Vancouver Island. All the way from Haida Gwaii, the band The Pseudos in the set, bringing some northern Canadian surf rock music to the dance. The members are super nice guys who all dress in white tuxedos and cowboy hats, and from their album Surf Bozos, you heard a guitar bonanza called Grammy's Big Day Out which I will send out to my mom with love. And speaking of Canadian surf rock, I began the show at the drag race. We hit the track with the Stingray Shuffle number one from Calgary Surf Noir Group, the 427s, to kick us into high gear from the get-go. Dave Rama with you again for a weekend of musical delights served up exclusively by Canadian artists. If you are interested in streaming Lovecast episodes from the past, there are hundreds available for your pleasure at www.mixcloud.com forward slash Davorama. Please go check them out. But right now, I've got some infectious Afro beats for you from Montreal singer Kizaba going out to my people from the Lovecast. CIUT 89.5 FM, the sound of your city. I have so much love to share with you. The best thing I have for you, it comes from my heart.
tribe. Hey, this is my tribe. New tribe from Congolese music. Only that that. Oh, 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 belly. It took us on belly. It took us on belly. Until you take us out. Until you take us out. Yeah. It took us on belly. It took us on belly. Yeah, yeah. Ladies, Alfredo, le mannequin de Paris, Oscar Marie, tout, tout, tout. 
nganapo ni manyasi kuangamia
this is Adam Shake, and you're listening to The Lovecast with Dave O'Rama. of African grooves in the set to help put some bounce in your weekend. 
from Mozambique by way of Winnipeg. That was dancer, choreographer, instructor, and musician Casimiro Unhusi coming from his 2021 release, Zakuna Mata, and an instrumental to put some joy in your heart called Kupenda, which means love in Swahili. We also heard a fine selection from the new album by award-winning Toronto bass Kenyan guitarist Adam Solomon. Adam is a member of the African Guitar Summit and a prolific solo artist in his own right. The new album is solid gold and I played a composition with a simple message, Adam Solomon and the song Stop the War. The Canadian-based Juno Award-winning music collective Okavango African Orchestra with the new release of their second album, which is called Migration. Something to get your dance on from Okavango African Orchestra and the song Kele Magni. Quebec-based production collective Moonshine in the set and a collaboration with MC Red Bull in an Afrobeat style on the bouncy track Thibaut Tisipa and some more Afrobeats out of Quebec at the top of the mix from singer and producer Kizaba and something for the people. My name is Dave Rama, and the show today is all Canadian schizophonics in a global sonic style dedicated to the kind folk who made a donation through the Lovecast to keep the mighty CIUTFM on the airwaves. And I thank you for supporting community radio in Canada. I truly wish more people would realize how important it is to support public access community media here in this country. You can't complain about the corporate domination of the airwaves if you don't support the community media that exists in this country. Because if you don't support it, one day it could be gone and your public airwaves will no longer be public. So please drop a donation on us at www.ciut.fm. It's not too late. The Lovecast is all about supporting the artists that make music, and I join you here every week to share the positive powers of global music as a way to bring people of diverse backgrounds together. We are approaching hour two of the program where I will be sharing with you my recent interview with celebrated Canadian electronic musician Adam Shake, where we discuss festivals, music, and environmentalism. That's coming up in the second part of the program. So to take us there, here's an instrumental by Vancouver Chicha band Empanadas Illegales. I love this band, and if you live in Toronto, I hope you caught their show last night at Drone Taberna on Queen Street West. I really wish I could have been there. To take us into the next dimension of the love cast, this is Empanadas Illegales and Lamento de un Galax.
I'm Lily Frost, and you're listening to The Lovecast with Dave Arama.
Welcome to hour two of this week's edition of the Lovecast. My name is Dave Orama, and I'm your Lovecast producer, host, and musical selector, celebrating 21 years of the Lovecast on the public airwaves. I'm pretty proud of that. I want to send out love and gratitude and respect to the amazing folk who took the time to make a donation to support Canadian Community Radio and CIUTFM during our recent Fall Fun Drive 2023. If you would like to support your community media voice and the work I do here every week, then please go make a donation at www.ciut.fm as we always require funding for this public access, listener-supported, campus-based community radio station. Also, a big shout out to the U of T students who continue to support the important work that we do here in the community and their generous assistance in helping us bring that essential media programming to the world. Big love to my donors, Michael Hills, Jesse King, Michelle Bakic, Catherine Huizenga, Mike Worth from Seavox Radio on Vancouver Island, Lori Whittemore, David Hubbend, Gordon Kruger, Francis Da Silva, Daniel Sower, Manny Fisher, Kyle Crockard, Brian Robertson, Bryce Baker, Lydia Washchuk, Guy Perry, Dana Fountain, Rich Donaldson, Glenn Cram, Piotr Erdman, Edwin Galatis, and Sheila Armstrong. Thank you so much for taking the time to make a financial donation to CIUT-FM Toronto. I can't tell you how much your kind gesture means to me and everyone working and volunteering here at the station. As I promised, hour two of the show today will be featuring an interview I conducted with BC electronic musician and producer Adam Shake, who joined me for a chat in my campsite at the Quadra Island Arts and Music Festival this past Labor Day weekend, which takes place on Quadra Island out on Canada's west coast. But before we get to that, I have a couple of selections for you in an electronic style, beginning with BC duo Moon Tricks and an instrumental called Soul Mechanics, which I will send out to the tattooed mushroom queen, Elizabeth Betty Burdock from The Lovecast.
Hey, what's up? This is Oz12, a.k.a. Ronnie Dean Harris, and you're listening to The Lovecast with Dable Rama.
It's a Lovecast All-Canadian Music Showcase this week with a Global Sonic Schizophonic selection of all-Canadian artists. And that was a taste of some music by First Nations DJ and producer Crystal DJ Quay Favel, working with Robbie Madsen on a piece of ethereal electronic music called You Are All Right. 
And we also heard from BC electro folk duo Moon Tricks at the top of the set, going out to Elizabeth Betty B, the Mushroom Queen, and an instrumental from them called Soul Mechanics. You are deep inside an all-Canadian showcase edition of the Lovecast, heard here every weekend with the intention of bringing some beauty and light into your life. Up next, as promised, I have a recent interview I conducted with longtime friend of the Lovecast, award-winning BC-based musician, composer, and DJ Adam Shake. Join me for a conversation in my campsite behind the stage at the Quadra Island Arts and Music Festival this past Labor Day weekend. It was really sweet connecting with Adam again, and we had ourselves a chilled out, laid back conversation in my campsite. Our chat mostly covered life during COVID, music, environmentalism, and why coming together on the dance floor is a beautiful and essential part of the collective human experience. So pour yourself a beverage and settle in as I bring you my most recent interview with musician and composer Adam Shake. Right here, right now, on The Lovecast. Well, here we are at the Quadrapalooza Festival on Quadra Island, and I'm with my old friend Adam Shake, who I haven't seen probably last oh, year. that was last year, That's I think. the last so year. And was... Yes, we, we hung out last year, Monkey Dragon, and... Uh, booked you for the crop circle festival yeah yeah and a bunch of people showed up for that and that was an enjoyable time so let's start with what kind of influence COVID had on your world because you live in the slocan valley near nelson bc uh fairly remote i get a sense you know you're, a, you're yes. not in any major urban center and you grew up in a fairly rural environment in ontario as right? well i mean lived in toronto for a moment and then Spent most of my, you know, teenage years and all that in Gananoque, a little town just outside of Kingston. So I kind of had fallen in love subconsciously with the like small town vibe, you know, little community where you sort of know everybody and a little store and all that kind of stuff. But living in the Kootenays for a while, we just discovered this spot up the Slocan Valley and fell in love with the area and the people. And, you know, it was interesting. COVID... I think COVID was a, a reevaluator, if that's a word. <laughs> it caused everyone to sort of reflect on their life. Am I living where I want to live? Am I really doing like what I want to do? And I got 10 out of 10. All of a sudden, I looked at the valley and was like, oh, yeah, that's why I chose to live in the middle of nowhere. Beside a tight little community where everyone, you know, also has their space and little bits in the forest. And, oh, I'm with the right person. And, you know, I'm doing... I wouldn't change anything. I mean, it was a challenge. Initially, it was nice. There was like a couple months and even like not working all summer had its own nice kind of thing. Like it was like a first summer in I don't know how many years, but I was home the whole summer. I even grew like four pot plants. Like <laughs> I never get to grow those because I'm always away and then they die or the deer eat them and like whatever. So there were aspects that were nice, but what I really missed and what I was reminded of again last night was my need to see community coming together, to see the dance floor, you know, and people of all ages dancing together. And To me, I've always felt like the dance experience was a communal experience 
It was a biological experience. We're all together, breathing the same air, dancing together, and it's its own kind of immunization. You know, we we share our vibes and like that somehow makes us stronger when we go back out into the world i felt it going to shambhala how many years we all had shambhalitis or whatever and just from sharing how many joints or whatever that you sort of are connected to those people Mm -hmm. biologically we are just really piles of cells so to be disconnected from that and to suddenly be missing dancing and playing music for people and even traveling after a while I sort of got itchy for that yeah it was a big reflection Uh, I was really supported by the community all of a sudden you know there were people hiring me for things that felt like not not tokened on one level but just like it was just came in and saved your butt when all of a sudden all the ways that I normally had of earning money going off to play shows or going and working and doing things were all you know capped at the kneecap and it's interesting because that all started when I played a show on Quadra Island it was a Friday the 13th in um, March, right when everything was starting to go into lockdown and should we really be going on the... They hadn't quite passed rules, but it was sort of everywhere was locking down in North America. And so to come here at the start of that and play music for this community and then to just see what's happened, yeah, it's been quite profound. And it was really great to... To be back. To be back and to play here and Mm -hmm. sort of reconnect with everyone here. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, all the things you mentioned there, because um, I felt the same way as someone, I'm from Toronto, I moved to Lovecast Island 27 (laughs) years ago, and I felt the same way, like I kind of, I don't know if that's what you were getting at in your comments about COVID, but I kind of knew these things were on the horizon, right? Like if you're paying attention, Mm -hmm. you can see the writing on the wall. And I moved to a small community because I did not want to be in a big urban center with millions of people Yes, when that kind of thing goes down. So, you know, like you said, you're in the right place. You know, you weren't being highly affected by that because you had your family and you were in a remote area and that's the same with me. But the disconnection from people it takes its toll. And also, I think, uh, what do you think about, um, I always find conservative politicians don't value art and creativity. You know, they're always kind of trying to take the funding away from that stuff. And, and do you think that COVID proved to people how important art and and getting together and, and per- experiencing Yeah, I think it, I think it did. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it was interesting because a lot of people were able to pivot online and continue sharing and connecting with their community. I tried and I found that when I was trying to do it from the traditional patterns that I'm used to, it didn't work. But interestingly enough, I had one or two live kind of Facebook event things where I felt more like a radio DJ and less trying to beat mix and build a dance floor and that and more like selecting songs and then it'd be like, oh, Ganga Giri just joined in the chat so that I play a Ganga song and then different musicians were joining into the chat and suddenly you're playing music of collaborations that you did with them and it it had this other interesting thing and it really showed yeah just the depth of art and the connection of people around music and how it is such a factor in bringing people together and yeah it was a challenge so did you 
use the time to produce more work or or did you know did you I, take your focus somewhere else it, yeah i kind of i mean i i finished up things i was just finishing up the jalak project for roop i was just finishing up uh the album for muhammad asani and so we had a bunch of things that i was still just sort of working way and finishing those um i had a monkey dragon album that was you know also worked so i worked on that stuff um but after that, I found that I kind of, as I was just watching the world implode in a surreal, totalitarian nightmare of control and manipulation and censorship, I lost, I didn't know what to write or say. Like, besides, I started writing some angry hip-hop lyrics, but I never right. manifested them. And in, in fact, I pivoted to... Uh, I built a sauna. Uh, I had always wanted to have a sauna, and we had milled some wood. My friend brought his like little mobile lumber mill, thing, yep. and I milled a bunch of cedar and built a sauna, and that took me like three or four months, and I just focused on that and started doing things around the house and finally fixed that thing over there and repaired that and did oh, cool. that kind of stuff that was always when I'm working I always have such a list of yeah. projects for clients and films and things yeah. that there's often not enough time to do my chores so to speak mm -hmm. yeah I, I firewood was done early that year you know? <laughs> oh, nice right and yeah just on that note like we're talking about living kind of um, rural lives do you find in BC I, I get a sense of this maybe that that BC doesn't have a big urban center for music that a lot of musicians kind of in, in in the BC music scene live these more rural lifestyles and have their studios out in different small towns and places like yeah, that. I think so. Yeah, I think mean, so. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Ontario. We don't have the big Toronto hub that mm. sort of is the center of everything. Uh, and yeah, I think it's been my success in BC is playing the small communities, all the Gulf Islands and, you know, all the communities up and down the coast. It's small communities, you know, from Artswells and Smithers and Salt Spring and, you know, Denman and all these places. That seems to be more where the people are. It's more spread out, rural and spread out. And Vancouver somehow has always struggled to have a kind of music scene. There's been moments where there's been a bit of something, but the live music kind of faded in the early 90s. And as all the venues that were live venues became DJ venues or just closed. And I think the liquor laws played a big part oh, of that too. They're, yeah. they're quite backwards compared yeah. to other, you know, societies, but it's, we, we live in the better control British <laughs> Columbia. Yeah, yeah, it's totally the, it was for the longest time, totally the opposite of what you'd see in Quebec, you know, where it's very free, you know, like with light, you know, liquor licensing and outdoor, uh, you know, you go to the jazz festival and there's outdoor beer gardens and, you know, you bring your wine to the restaurant, they'll decant it. And then you get BC and it's like no playing pool until 7 p.m. in like the in the town pump back in the but day. But I could say know? then perhaps that's maybe one of the subtly positive elements that came out of the pandemic was that somehow it seemed like rules around being able to drink a beer in the park or a glass of wine or whatever, like some of those laws got relaxed mm -hmm. and there, there were designated places. And now it seems like, you know, in most parks, if people are being respectful, they can have a couple beverages and whatever. Right, right. It's, uh, I think that it's a control thing. As soon as you tell people that they can't do something, then you want to do it even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
it's it's an interesting game that our society seems to play with itself. <laughs> yes, and and um, outside of your solo material, you uh, you like we mentioned Monkey Dragon. You put an album out uh, with your band Monkey Dragon uh, a few years ago, and have you been working on something new with that band? Yes, uh, we've been working on a bunch of new material, and what's been really fun this time, unlike the original time where it was sort of more Buckman and I that were creating things and then getting Andy and Harvey to come up with lines to this time we've all been sitting around and contributing different things Harvey might play a chord progression and then Andy's coming up with things and we're we're much more uh, collectively collaborating on this one which has been really fun and I think the the result of the songs is evident we've been playing them out all summer and i noticed that all the new songs actually brought you know the people closer and had an even more solid response so i'm very excited to you know polish that up and hopefully get that done by the end of the fall i've got a lot of projects coming up so i'm busy trying are they to film projects or uh yeah i'm, yeah. I'm gonna be starting a big uh, film series for a company in vancouver called shared planet with uh, Robert Neufeld, the composer, and Nelson that I did the National Geographic series with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that starts in November until July, so I'm going to be quite busy. Nice. Uh, so I'm trying to get all these other things done, and I'm supporting my friend's Ocean Legacy Foundation doing cleanup work. Yeah, I wanted to helping, ask you about that. Yeah, and helping them document what they've been doing because they've been so busy doing it that they often forget to also capture video of it. And so I've been kind of supporting them with that and helping make little promo videos and, uh, you know. So tell us more about that project. Well, Ocean Legacy Foundation is a nonprofit based out of Vancouver who over the last number of years have grown to, they now actually have a recycling facility in Richmond where they are taking the marine debris that they've been collecting from shoreline cleanups and from other organizations and separating it and reprocessing the HDPE and um, the poly into pellets and sort of trying to feed them back into the system as well as they are now processing all sorts of commercial fishery all the ropes and nets i had no idea that they have to replace those things every year and so the amount of kind of wasted material and so they've been now collecting all the fishing ropes and grinding those up and turning them back into pellets yeah i've I've heard a stat that says that 90% 90% of the debris, plastic debris in the oceans is created by the fishing industry. I could see it being up to that yeah. level. I mean, certainly we've also had the tsunami yeah, I was uh, and, that and other other yeah. events. There are, you know, regularly containers that seem to tip off ships coming yep. through the, uh, yep. the strait. Definitely, as I've been supporting them and going on cleanups, there's a lot of fishing debris. We're up at Alert Bay, Comorant Island right now doing a cleanup and definitely along the coast fishing nets and ropes that then get wound around and in into the logs. That was the majority of uh, stuff as well as derelict vessels. I think there's 22 derelict boats that they're also going to be cleaning up. Five or six of them that have sunk and are in the water. Yeah, that's a big deal all around. Yeah, yeah and it's nice to see the communities stepping up and seeing that there are support systems and people that are willing to do the work and you know sometimes there are grants available and you know it's time to clean the oceans up and like be the responsible stewards that we need to be. When we 
say mini wichoni, it, it means water is life, but it also, we say that because those phrases come from a sacred and cosmic relationship with water, taking into our being the origin of water, which is connected to the creation of the universe. This foremost spirit sacrificed its own power and its own blood, which is now water in the blue dome around the earth, in order to create the universe. So when we say Mini Wichoni, we recognize that water is life, that we're connected to it, that we are we are formed in sacred water in the womb, and that that those sacred powers that are in water are also inside of us. So we say water is life with like very powerful meaning and depth. Water is life, life that we're 
formed in sacred water in the womb and that that those sacred powers that are in water are also inside of us. FM, the sound of your city. And I I go a bit further. I say, hey, if the fishing industry is creating so much of this debris, then don't support the fishing industry. You know, but people seem to have a hard time giving up things that are pleasurable for them for the greater good, which I think is um, something humans need to work on. That's a side or or perhaps another perspective of that, which I think is also the same to the packaging industry that the people who make and use these plastic things need to be more accountable yeah. and more financially responsible for the full cycle yeah. of their things. And if you truly factored in those costs, a lot of those things wouldn't be as cost effective and therefore maybe not as attractive. Uh, and suddenly glass might become a better medium again because its cost per use and reuse is so much better than, you know, some chunk of plastic. And that would also affect the price of seafood, which would make it less uh, less affordable to a lot of people too. If they were responsible for that whole cycle of the plastic, it's going to make their product more more expensive, right? Or as we all you know want to reduce expenses cause people to be a bit more creative in yeah. coming up with solutions and looking to the rest of the planet uh for solutions because i've certainly traveled around and i remember the first time i went to india i was blown away at you know because i had come from the west and then to see that all the food containers were like crushed pressed banana leaves yeah and then when you were done with them you kind of chucked them on the ground and then the cows came along and ate them and there were little clay you know unkilned clay pots and you drank your stuff and you'd toss them in the ground and they turn back into dirt and had to see them suddenly go to plastic and all this stuff and then still throw it on the ground thinking it was the same and to see them now coming full circle to reintroducing their own you know environmental considerations and to think you know there's tons of that stuff going on around the world that's great to hear because uh, somebody pointed that out to me a few decades ago that exactly that going on in places like india where the, their containers were all biodegradable and suddenly when plastic came in they were treating them the same they had the same muscle memory yeah like, yeah and, and they hadn't had the understanding or the education that it, this was not that uh, yeah. and I think it was marketed you know as well that it was reusable and recyclable it's plastic you just and people just still kept the same patterns but we we also see that in the festival scene, right? Definitely. You'll go, like, in, here in BC, there are producers who love to put on events in really remote areas, you know? And then there's big things like those big country festivals that they used to have in the interior 
or big rock festivals and you'd see the difference uh, these remote festivals, a certain type of festival goer, it's all pack in, pack out, very responsible. Some places I've been to, like Pachina Bay or, or uh, Diversity back in the day, no garbage cans, no recycling. You know, it's people are trusted to take take it out again, right? And then you see the opposite. Even with places like Shambhala, I've heard that there's so much stuff left behind that people end up they end up bulldozing it into giant piles yeah right? they've been burying the shambhala debris uh i think since the beginning and that's its own thing i, <laughs> I definitely heard perspectives about why it's become like that mm-hmm. and part of it is just being the outrageous kind of price gouging from the paying more money to go in early and more to park here and it's creating this stratified thing mm-hmm. and so when people leave they're just kind of like yeah know, yeah you charge us so much you clean it up right and it's kind of the wrong perspective but yeah. i can see how it's grown that way yeah yeah we're hoping humans will evolve their uh i mean just probably seen pictures of glastonbury <laughs> oh know? yeah yeah and that started out as a little farm <laughs> festival i think it's the sad result of maybe just the the physics of scaled humans i I think it's privileged too because i've 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 worked in environments where i've tried to create pack in pack out situations and there's this thing where people they just kind of go oh i've finished with this container where's the receptacle that it goes to and then in their mind, it's gone, right? It's just like, I've, mm. I had that drink and now where's the thing I throw it into? And it, and it doesn't occur to them any further where that goes, you know? Yeah, yeah we've got a lot to learn. And well, they um, got us on our little treadmills, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. We're I in know. the matrix. We're in the matrix, so. And um, do you think music plays a big part in forming people as a way of getting kind of these kind of ideas across to be more... Uh, uh, responsible in various ways or do you think that we're just kind of going towards more like let's just party until the earth burns kind of thing you know well I definitely feel like we are kind of the dance band on the Titanic sometimes <laughs> I don't know I, I've I've had a width of perspectives on that I, I definitely felt as I was younger that music had a, a stronger influence on that and changing the world and you know insightful lyricists writing profound deep lyrics that change people and move people and I think that is still there but I feel like the momentum of the system the control mechanisms that are in place the large corporate just you know like the plastic lobby or the oil lobby or all that kind of stuff has just got its control in a way that Makes people feel like they can't, they well, can't really accomplish anything, maybe. Perhaps, or that it seems like, even in the face of things that feel like accomplishments, we move backwards. You know, like plastic straws would be a perfect example. I was just reading now that the chemicals that they're using to line the paper straws so that they stay waterproof are far more toxic than the plastic straw was right so do you even need a straw like i don't know i don't but uh (laughs) that just seems like a part of what we're stuck with and i mean i feel like maybe music at least has the power to wake people up to see the truth of things and 
maybe it motivates and inspires people to change maybe it doesn't uh, that's what I try to do on the love cast I try to like I, I hope it does I, I, I'm, I'm 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 very aware of the troubles of the world and it can really get to me but every week I produce the show and play positive music because I want to remind myself about the beauty in the world and I want to inspire people but at the same time I mean I think uh, last year I played the famous Marvin Gaye song, Mercy, Mercy Me, The Ecology. And I think it was like the 50th anniversary back in 2021 of the release of that album, What's Going On. And, you know, here we are 50 years later and that song still resonates as a message that we're not listening to, you know? And that was back in 1971, he was writing about the pollution of the world, you know, and humanity. So... Sometimes it's hard to keep your spirits up. How do you do it? I think that for me is happy people on the dance floor. Like if I can make people dance and be happy and just be connected to their bodies and have that moment outside of all the chaos and trouble in the world, that's what keeps me motivated. More dancing, less fighting. I don't know. We're, we struggle in this planet. We've got lots of big issues yeah. ahead of us. Yeah. Uh, being a part of a resilient community, I think, is a part. And for me, you know, making a community dance together is a part of that glue. And, you know, beyond like not wanting, I'm not a preacher. I'm not trying to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm as hypocritical and flawed. We're in a paradoxical moment in time. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, for example, I'm driving a thousand kilometers and putting all this gas in my vehicle so that I can go and clean up a beach of plastic. Like it's paradoxical in its nature, but I feel like, okay, well, at least I'm, if I'm burning that fuel, I'm trying to put it towards something positive and I'm like busting my butt off trying to remove all this debris from, you know, marine environment to make the environment healthier. And so hopefully it's offsetting the thing but it we're just fraught with paradox and that can be overwhelming and i don't know i give up and there's okay let's we'll just let's dance yeah yeah well <laughs> yeah let's dance i i don't want to give up but i want to not uh, celebrating necessarily i, I want but just getting I, into that tribal inspiring trance of, people yeah let's connect and inspire and yeah move the, i'm often reminded of that old Max Romeo song that was produced by Lee Perry, One Step Forward, Two Steps Backwards. It always comes to mind in this dance we're doing on the planet, you know? Isaac Chambers has a great... Version of that? Nice. Version of that that's quite, quite poignant. Yeah, yeah. I did a couple films last year, and that was really fun to uh, be the principal composer where unlike other projects where often the directors have a very clear vision of what they want i got to kind of just be inspired by the film and come up with my vision and to have that land uh that was like something really great what were the films uh one of them was called 940 uh caledonia and it was um a story that followed the uh, homeless encampment in Victoria right at the start of the pandemic when all these people were getting swept out of the shelters and, you know, there was a real crisis and it followed a couple characters, you know, dealing with that and trying to navigate that as these tent vills got 
pushed around to different places. Um, and the other one is a really potent film about the history of the Columbia River and the treaty and all the, the sort of a rec recounting again of all the indigenous communities that were displaced from the largest salmon run you know, on the planet and just how that changed things and sort of just setting the, the groundwork for all the indigenous communities that are going forward as the treaty is due for renewal in 2025, I believe. And so it's sort of about representing what happened, where things are at, and like how do we move forward as we've come to recognize that water's role right now with what's been going on in California and the whole western seaboard of America which has been in drought for you know decades plus that suddenly this water has got a different you know even more vital thing and to start learning more about the difference between a, an alive river and a dead river Right. And an alive river is not dammed or straightened and like it's alive, it's full of life and it carries life and it feeds the environment around it. You know, the eagles take the salmon and they fly up into the trees and they eat them and then their carcasses fertilize the, you know, the forest, forest yeah. and like it's a much more tightly interwoven ecosystem and when you cut off the main driver of that, how those ecosystems die and to to see that we have an opportunity moving forward to maybe try to change that because we have more clever ways of uh, taking hydro from rivers that don't involve just damming them dead. Yeah, so right. it's time to yeah. really look at how, or, you know, we build massive fish ladders or just spots where the river also goes around so that the fish don't, you know, have their main highway cut. And so that was a really potent film where I, I really learned a lot about the history of the Columbia and, you know, got to do music for it. And yeah. So like your music, it has these environmental connections. It's really interesting doing music for film. I feel and, really yeah. blessed that different creative projects have come across my path and I've been able to, you know, really put my heart and soul into, uh, supporting those stories and, and how many how many decades now have you been you know a career musician this is my 30th year i would think that i released my first cd in 1993 and so maybe for like a year before i kind of had finished my last kind of real job you know with a t4 slip right and and sort of just started making my living from doing music and so that was in like 1992 1993 and reflecting on that, what are the what are the some of the positive things that you've derived from it? I've been able to provide for myself through pursuing my passion and love of music and ignoring everybody who told me I couldn't <laughs> do it and that there's no way that you can survive as a musician in these days. Granted, I wore tons of hats, you know, from being a DJ to, to being a record producer to, you know, running sound at clubs to help, you know, everything and everything in between. But there's always been, you know, enough stuff to scrape by. So you're a musical elder now, so impart, <laughs> impart some wisdom on uh, younger um, music producers, if you have some for them. Well, I've often made the analogy for myself and my own mantra or analogy of it's pushing a pea over the mountain with a chopstick. 
that <laughs> if you want to be a musician and if you want to be a musician in this day and age, there's a component of that, that, I mean, some people, they just get a laptop and some software and first album and they have a million streams on Spotify. There are people that are, you know, destined for greatness. For most of us, I think it's work. There are geniuses and there are genius flashes, but they're still, you just got to put in the time and take the defeats as obstacles to be danced over and to really find your inspiration or find your source. Like, why do you want to write music? Like, you don't have to, you could do anything. And so why is it that keeps you making you want to do that? And, you know, beyond not overanalyzing it too much, but just to nurture it and to just persevere, you know? All right, anything to conclude with? Well, I would just thank you for continuing to spread the vibes through the radio waves and, you know, keep keep the torch lit, keep inspiring us artists with all the, you know, the great crate digging that you do. And, uh, <laughs> well, thank we definitely you. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, and we'll, we're both music junkies. Music is my favorite drug. And uh, obviously, Truth. obviously, I think it's most people's favorite drug. So, and it's, and it's a great antidepressant too. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Adam Shake, thank you very much. Thanks so much, Dave. That was a recent interview I conducted with a longtime friend of the Lovecast, British Columbia-based musician, composer, producer, and DJ, Adam Shake. Adam produces solo work, including global fusion dance music, ambient recordings, and soundtrack music for films. He is also an active festival DJ and a member of the band Monkey Dragon. Adam Shake has also produced albums for artists like Rajasthani Canadian hip hop fusion group Jalak featuring Ruby Singh, Vancouver based sitarist Mohammed Asani, and soul singer Buckman Ko. He has also been spending recent times documenting the important work of the Canadian based nonprofit Ocean Legacy Foundation at oceanlegacy.ca. Music by Adam Shake included with the interview featured the songs Who Will Save Our Water with West Coast artist Kinney Starr on vocals and an example of his global fusion music at the end with a remix of the track Django. I also incorporated some of Adam's ambient works into the interview including Liquid Evolution, Infinite Emanation, and Emergence. This brings us to the end of today's program. 
I would like to thank Adam Shake for taking the time to speak with me at Quadrapalooza when we both ended up camping backstage at the festival. You can find out everything you need to know about Adam Shake at his website, sonicturtle.com. His name is spelled A-D-H-A-M-S-H-A-I-K-H. Adam Shake. You have been experiencing another all-Canadian music showcase here on the Lovecast today. Supporting a pan-cultural global sonic community of Canadian artists is one of the important things I do here on this program. And I'm so grateful for everyone who tunes in and donates and supports our community radio in this country. Once again, thank you to everyone I mentioned here this week on the show who made a donation through the Lovecast to support your community voice. It's an essential and important thing to support, and I'm so grateful that you understand that. Speaking of Canadian artists and Canadian voices, sadly, we recently lost the incredible Canadian guitarist David Baxter. In recent years, Baxter had, until his death, been a member of the band Hey Stella, which features his good friend Lori Yates on vocals. I believe that today was Mr. Baxter's celebration of life. He was an incredible guitarist, and I have many fond memories of his shredding abilities during the many times I went to see his band The Sharks in the very early 80s. David Baxter was only 68 when he passed away a month ago at Toronto General. David Baxter's bandmate, Lori Yates, has just released a new single, and I thought it would be appropriate to dedicate it today in David's memory. The song is called Alive, and I hope it will inspire you to enjoy and appreciate your time in the world and motivate you to check in here with me again next weekend. So until we meet again, my name is Dave Orama, and I wish you peace, love, and consciousness. Back, no re-
sunset and life flies by No need to stop and wonder why Cause it's good to be alive Even when it hurts to be alive It's good to be alive